Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Seven Innings Podcast. It is our season finale and one of the craziest seasons that uh, we can recall that we'll be talking about 2020 for a, a long, long time. Certainly didn't play out the way we had hoped when the season started. Uh, but uh, as we head into summer with our last show, we certainly uh, are going to take an optimistic uh, view of, of some of the stuff that we hope will be happening in the next season. It's the Seven Innings Podcast. BMO, Ho-Ro, Scarborough, Smitty, Jen, Doza, our entire crew. J-Mac is here. Buzz, Kim, the PR superstar. And as always, a special thanks to Jory, Bailey, Ashley, and Justine, our crew behind the scenes. We got Janae Jefferson on the show today from Texas. Morgan Flores from Washington. We're also going to speak to the new head coach at Ole Miss, Jamie Traxel, and have our way, 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 way too early predictions about the Women's College World Series next year. We're also going to shag some stats. Follow along at 7 Innings Podcast on your social media where you can also find the lineup card. And as you can see in the leadoff spot is what are you looking forward to for next year? And I will certainly get us started since we did not get to check out one of the prettiest views in the world, the brand-new renovated Hall of Fame Stadium. That's number one on my list, Smitty. Getting a chance to be in Oklahoma City next year for the Women's College World Series in our new perch at Hall of Fame Stadium with all those new fans able to check it out live. Yeah, BMO, I have to say I'm just excited for softball, like a full season of softball and watching the drama at the beginning with the, you know, St. Petey uh, Elite uh, Clearwater Invitational um, and then conference play, seeing the way the conferences and the, and the team that maybe you weren't uh, expecting to have that great season all of a sudden starts to rise up through the conference ranks and um, and, and then, of course, the selection show and the postseason. So I'm, I'm just excited to see what athletes come back, how these universities deal with really large squads, and, and the, just the game of softball, Jess. I, I, I think there's a lot of us that really um, love the game and are just excited for it to be back right now. <laughs> I, I think yeah, that's what I'm excited to see is talking to so many players. I mean, think about it, all of us, right? Since we could walk, we were playing – you know, we were playing softball. We were playing softball every day, all day, all the time, practicing games. And when I think about softball returning, I want to see an ignited passion. And like, that's something that I heard from in a lot, from a lot of players is you take it for granted. I mean, think about club ball in high school and how crazy it's gotten. And then you go straight into college and it's, it's like a job. And I'm not saying that players don't have passion, but I really believe there's going to be this renewed sense of just like, this is why I love the game. And I'm going to appreciate it a whole lot more than I ever have in my life. Yes, I could not agree anymore. And I'm very interested to see how individual players, not just teams, handle that. Because I think we're going to see who's put in the work by themselves in their home in a lonely cage and who hasn't. But I'm also looking forward to, you know, 2020 fall was the craziest fall I think we've ever had or preseason was the craziest preseason we've ever had. So will those teams who dominated 2020 preseason be the front runners in 2021? I'm really interested to see how that transition happens and who are the it teams of 2021. What about you, Amanda? Yeah, I I agree with everything that you guys just said. And Michelle, you mentioned the bigger roster size. And I think that that's going to be something to look out for. And specifically, I'll bring it to the circle with the pitching staffs. How are coaches going to handle bigger rosters with more pitching, with more pitchers? And are we, we are already going toward, um, are going away from, you know, one ace, two ace. But could this be a change for how coaches handle their entire pitching staff to have a true starter, a true middle relief pitcher, and a true closer? Maybe that could be a change for 2021 as well. Yeah, we'll have more on that coming up a little bit later in the program when we talk about some of the transfers and and how coaches will deal with the roster size. But a lot to look forward to uh, for the upcoming season. Next up in our uh, lineup is uh, the, uh, the whole COVID issue, safety. Um, unfortunately, we've already seen budget cuts around the country to sports, uh, including the softball program at Wright State. Uh, thinking a lot about Laura Matthews and her team this week as they adjust to uh, to not having softball anymore at Wright State. That's uh, uh, a tough one to take, and, and hopefully there are not a whole lot more. Uh, unfortunately, though, I think that is going to be coming our way uh, as the uh, as the COVID stays with us for for a while uh, into the foreseeable future. But obviously that is going to be a big driver, um, Jen, when we talk about 
the impact of the season. And I know everybody is watching how the NBA and, and Major League Baseball are going to get it going. And then probably most significant for all of us in the college softball world would be what's going to happen with college football and making sure it's, it's safe for everybody back on campus. Beth, I have so many questions. I mean, if we can just talk about softball, I, I think about, are you going to room with the same person every single time? You talk about shared equipment, and we're in a sport where the ball is constantly shared with every single person on the team. Is the weight room going to have limited numbers? Are, is your bus going to have limited numbers? And remember, all these roster sizes are going to be increased as well. How are you going to continue to separate everything if there is this second wave this fall? I, I have so many questions, and I'm so interested to see how it's all going to play out because I'm unsure anybody has the answers for it. Yeah, especially, too, with, with practices, not just at games. I mean, every, you think about how everything will kind of have to be reinvented. And, and everything changes at this point, even right now in – what month are we in? June? I forgot. Um, and everything is changing by the week. So what will the fall be like for these softball teams? And what will the spring look like as everything changes just so fast? Yeah, Amanda, I think a lot of it for coaches is going to be managing unknowns and, and having – um, you know, your plan A, B, and C. Okay, what happens if we're in an environment where um, someone isn't feeling well? What's happening to our team? How do we isolate people? How do we quarantine maybe a part of the team but not the whole team if, if this just doesn't go away? So I think it's going to be learning to manage unknowns and thinking outside of the box, like trying to, to put up what's every scenario we potentially could go through and how do we have a plan to um, – to to remnify and and get through uh, some of the different things that we might face. I think this is where we're lucky. Softball is a spring sport because I I feel like sports in the fall aren't going to be played. And if they are, it's, it's going to be very minimal. And I hate being Debbie Downer speaking like that, but it's, it's really comes down to the vaccine for next spring. And I think that we have time, even though the, the season was canceled because it hit in the spring now there is that full nine months for a vaccine, for solutions. Honestly, there's going to be so many sports in the fall and the winter. They're going to go through what not to do. And softball is going to have the benefit of this is what works, this is what doesn't. And I have a lot more confidence in the fact that it's in the spring. So I really believe that fall sports aren't really going to be played, at least not the way that we've seen them played in the past. Promising news as of this taping is that they, they are making some headway on vaccines, and so hopefully that is something that we can have in place by the end of the year. That would obviously change all of this discussion. We've talked a little bit about roster size and transfers. That's going to be a big deal. Um, a couple of the big names, Janet Johns going to Oklahoma, uh, Molly Jacobson ending up at Texas, Jade Gortarez is going to ULL. Uh, a couple of prominent players have decided they won't be back. Sophia Reynoso, the, the uh, All-American shortstop at Florida, and Megan Kleist announcing her retirement um, from uh, Louisiana. And, and big moves, um, Amanda, at, at a place like Arizona where they've got almost everybody back, right? They've got a huge recruiting class coming in. So they had four or five players jump into the transfer portal and, and try and uh, find playing time somewhere else. And we talk about roster sizes and how coaches are going to manage their teams and their pitching staff is going to be a big challenge um, and, and maybe a determining factor as to who gets to the World Series. Well, and I think uh, more prep work for us to be able to call yeah. the game. We're going to be like, okay, who's it, is there a new coach? Is there a new player? Did anybody transfer out? And how are we going to prepare for 25 people on a team and get ready to call a game? So there will be um, a lot for us, which, of course, is all about us in the booth and everyone working out for us always. Um, so it'll, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be, um, it, Arizona, as you mentioned, Beth, like definitely has a lot of players coming back. And so I can't help but give my attention to them. No offense, Jen, and at UCLA will be very, 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 very strong too. So my mind goes to the pack and how strong that the Pac-12 overall is going to be with all the talent that they have coming back. And also, of course, new recruits that are going to be coming as freshmen. Mm-hmm. You guys, I just started sweating a little bit. I think I need to start writing my, my scouting reports now for, for pitchers. I mean, some of these staffs are going to have so many pitchers. And, and as we mentioned earlier, we could start seeing a, a, you know, a starter maybe just go once through the lineup and then they have a middle reliever and then a closer. So it's going to be interesting to see how these really large rosters will, will um, make a difference. Of course, then we also have the three Olympians that are back with Bubba Rachel. And how about Deja Malloy-Pola, who will now be protecting – 
Harper as she goes after the home run record. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out. I do feel like there's always going to be like a little asterisk next to the 2020 and the 2021 season when we start to look back at statistics and how all this has um, affected everything. Huge impact, too, by the way, about players that probably would have missed the postseason and most of the season that will possibly now be healthy, like G. Juarez, uh, Claire Jenkins, Sis Bates. So um, a chance for people to get healthy and get prepared for the upcoming season. That's going to be a huge issue as we move forward. There has been some off-season coaching news, and one of the biggest jobs that was open, Ole Miss, and we have a star going from Minnesota to Ole Miss, Jamie Traxel. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Holly. Appreciate the opportunity. So you guys are straight off a World Series appearance last year for Minnesota, and now you have an opportunity to go to the SEC where there's maybe bigger budgets, more opportunity. What really drew you and attracted to you that job at Ole Miss? Yeah, it really came down probably to one thing. Uh, it's a tough decision. It's a professional decision. Um, being from the state of Minnesota, it, it's a very personal decision for me. Um, it really came down to being wanted and to a level of being wanted with a you know, commitment behind it. And, um, you know, and when I had a chance to talk with Keith and the search committee, just, you know, a handful of times, there was Belief, they believed in me as a professional, as a person. They wanted to commit to me. And, and that was literally probably the driving force behind that decision. So we see that you're in the office there, and I just can't imagine taking a new job but then being homebound through the whole, you know, stay home orders. How have you managed taking a new job but COVID-19 and trying to keep your team and your roster together? Yeah, it's, I mean, each each transition has its challenges, no question, and this one has its own uh, unique circumstances with it, and we've been really fortunate. There's a lot of positive feedback about the hire, and, you know, for me, it was a focus on connecting to the team, reaching out to the individuals, um, and certainly hiring our staff, which I was able to do over a couple of weeks, and I'm really excited about the people on this staff and, and who they are as people, but who they are as professionals. I think we have a lot of, we have, you know, we have professionals who are passionate. They're experts at what they do. They have, they're, they're feisty. They're fiery. Um, they do all the right things on and off the field and, and they want to be great. And I think they're the present and the future of college softball. Um, but you know, in terms of putting our staff together and reaching out to our team and the challenge, probably the biggest challenge has just been recruiting because you can't, you know, you don't get to go out and see your twenties. You don't get to see the 21s. Um, you know, getting working ahead for the 22s, but the positive, the positive feedback has been, you know, helps make that transition easier. And we were able to FaceTime all of our recruits with our staff um, to get to know their, their families and introduce ourselves and get to know them on a little bit different level. And, um, but you know, every coach is in the same boat and you just make the best of what you can. And, but we haven't had anybody leave, you know, or want to, and it's just been a lot of excitement about what we're going to do and do together here at Ole Miss. Jamie, you've already had a chance to uh, mix with uh, a lot of the other coaches at Ole Miss and even at Mississippi State with all that was going on this week and whether or not it's time to change the state flag. Yeah. Uh, why Why did you guys think it was so important to be um, together as a voice, and where do we stand right now with, um, with with what's going on with the state flag? You know, I I'm learning a lot about – you know, just this area in the state. So I don't want to overspeak, you know, just with what I know and what I don't know, because I feel like I've been trying to, to learn, reach out to coaches, um, engage in anything on campus that's an education piece, a conversation piece, you know, to, to stand with people, but certainly kind of knowing my place a little bit, not having been in the state for very long and not really knowing a lot of the history, because a lot of it has been eye-opening for me, you know, having spent my entire life in the Midwest and, and we know that racial equality, social injustice is our main topics right now. And it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what state you're in. You know, it can be from Minnesota. I was actually in Minnesota when George, everything happened with George Floyd. And so 
I think it's a really unique time in our country to be able to stand for something, stand with people, um, and be able to use our platform and, and certainly. So I, I've been, I've been supportive, maybe probably a little quiet about it just because I, I'm new to the state and, and certainly wanting to learn as much about everything from every angle versus, you know, um, taking a stand. But I think it's cool to stand for something and be able to be, create real change in our country that is far exceeds just the athletic world. Coach, I, you've taken over several different programs from Iowa State to Minnesota, and then now you're hopping down to Mississippi. What do you feel like um, is maybe the biggest thing that you've learned about coming into a new, a new program that you feel like will help you come into this new one and, and just go full steam ahead? Yeah, it's a great question because transitions are challenging. Um, and so having left North Dakota State, where I personally and professionally grew up in, um, that really felt like home to me. That was probably one of the most challenging years because of my connection or the re- relationships there. And then going to Iowa State, which is a little bit more of a rebuild to walking into Minnesota, that was already a successful program and working through that. So I feel like the different stops I've made have helped prepare me for even just the behind the scenes stuff that that has to happen in terms of just getting yourself prepared and connecting with your team, having a vision, selling your vision, getting things in order, kind of essentially at home, which is your office, your staff, taking care of your team, working through the recruiting piece of it, and kind of knowing how to prioritize each. Um, And just knowing sometimes there's only so many hours in a day and you can't check everything off your list. But if you just can stay committed to the different pieces, you know, that, that are part of your transition, then eventually everything will get, you know, kind of fall back into place. But the biggest thing was to take care of putting on my staff together, which we're still working on, you know, some of the support staff piece. And then also making sure our team was taken care of getting to know them and then also the recruiting piece of it too. So, and I feel like, I learned to, you know, I used to reach, I reach out to some coaches, you know, and I was doing some hiring a couple of years ago and they gave me great advice. And, but through that, through my own learning, I was like, well, shoot, they haven't hired for 15 years. Like they've had their own staff together for 15 years. So although their advice was, was, it sounded great and it was, I'm like, they hadn't really lived through that. And so I feel like the different things that I've been, you know, I was successful at and maybe things that I learned from have helped prepare me every step of the way. And especially coming into this conference and knowing the expectation here and the level um, that you're going to have to perform at. So um, I take all my experiences, lessons learned and successes, you know, with me here to Ole Miss as we get rolling and get excited about what's in front of us. And coach, I'm kind of curious on um, leaving the Big Ten, entering the SEC. Have you heard from other coaches from the Big Ten, from the SEC, of any of the other coaches welcomed you, or is it right off the bat like, all right, this is a game on? I'm, I'm kind of curious. <laughs> I, on think that. I, I think Michelle, I think I got a couple of texts that were like, um, "Hey, you know, like welcome to you know uh, the." welcome to our conference and I can't remember the actual terminology it's like this is where you know the rubber reaches the meets the road and um welcome to the dog pound you know all these different things and so um it's definitely a little bit of a different feel um but you know there's a certainly a level of pride here in this conference to be at the top and be the very best and and to work collectively um for the conference and for you know maintaining that 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 standard here across the country without maybe the without maybe the relationship pieces, you know, and stuff, but people have been great. They extended themselves, but it was a, Hey, you just kind of stepped into, uh, into the shark tank here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the fire. Yeah. Just means more. (laughs) Yeah. Before we let you go, coach, I just have two, two final questions and then we'll let you get out of here. But you talked about putting your staff together. I wondered if you could tell us who's on your staff. And then, um, you know, the transfer portal has been hot. And you said nobody left, but did you bring anybody from Minnesota with you? Um, well, our staff, I'll, I'll start with that one. And um, Katie Rekovich browder she was married last year, came with me from, yes, she's she's outstanding. Um, and so she actually came from Ole Miss, so she had some familiar, has a lot of familiarity with this, um, with the program, with Oxford, with Ole Miss in general. And even just her knowledge of it was probably helpful in this process just because it was a little more familiar even when they reached out and everything she'd said about it just through you know getting to know each other for the few years we're at Minnesota was true I mean it's it's people it's connection it's relationship it's a college town there's they love Ole Miss and when I came down here I mean I everywhere I've gone people like 
recognize me. And they're talking about 2019, the World Series. I mean, they were very familiar with our own players. They talk about Ole Miss players, and then start talking about other players by name. And I was really impressed with kind of like how familiar they were and how much they were paying attention. And um, so a lot of things that Katie had said, you know, definitely felt that way immediately and, and has, you know, only excelled from there. And so she's a, she's a star, you know, she's an it person. She's an it coach. Um, she just has that thing about her and I'm really proud to have her on staff. And, and really it was, it was great to, it was really helpful to have her, you know, it's not easy to leave. It's not easy to leave your home state to go to a different part of the country, but having her every step of the way um, has made a total difference in this transition, no doubt. Um, pitching coach spent a long time, like making that hire, had a lot of great candidates and it was just a couple things that, that probably Riker edged, uh, you know, some of the finalists out on. Um, so I was really grateful for who we had in that pool and who was interested. Um, but it's the same thing as Katie, the, when you have a conversation with him, there's just something different about him. And, you know, we coach for a long time. And when we find that athlete that has that it thing about them, you know, it immediately championship mentality, championship mindset, different work ethic, high level character. So as uh, when we talk to recruits and we see that we get attracted and it doesn't take long to feel that way about both of those two. And certainly where he's come from, the network that he has as a young professional and what people said about him, the character piece, checked all the boxes. Every person I talked to, about him said, great guy, great guy, great guy, like off the charts. And then he's a star. And so I feel like, I really do feel like where I think we're the youngest coaching staff in the SEC. And I think we're the youngest coaching staff in any power five. And I love it. I love it. I think we have, we're excited. It takes a lot of work, you know, transitions. It takes the grind and a level of work ethic and commitment, but I believe in them as people. I believe in them as professionals, and I'm excited about what we're going to do and do it together because I feel like I have two of the best coaches in the country. Awesome. And then did you bring anyone from Minnesota? Nope. Okay. I, I, I had heard rumors that maybe Amber Pfizer would come. You know I'm obsessed with her, so I don't, I don't <laughs> want her to leave the Gophers, but I, I also would love for her to be on a big stage too. So, all right. Well, I think, you know, one thing I, I do want to note is, was challenging is the way that the timing was announced for Ole Miss. Um, there was, I think, just a, a little communication piece that that was got, you know, kind of mixed up. And so I, I didn't actually even get a chance to say goodbye. So that was hard because, like, you at least want to, like, finish talking to your staff and, and say goodbye to all these players that you've built relationships with and at least be able to say goodbye and – Sorry. Um, so that's, that's one thing I, I'm, I like wish we could go back and just wish everything had played out probably a little bit differently was I just didn't get to say goodbye. And, um, I'm leaving there proud because of what I was able to be part of, what we were able to, to accomplish together, um, working through that transition, the relationship piece with those players and, and their belief in me, especially where we got like, that's, that's something that's been hard and, and hurts. You can't reach out to these kids that you've talked to every couple, you know, a couple of days and you can't wish someone, Hey, good luck on this test. Cause you know, it's a big deal. And, um, so, um, a lot of great people, a lot of great players. There are a lot of great kids and I uh, wish them well. And I hope to continue that relationship long past, you know, just this year. Well, Jamie, we appreciate your, your honesty as you take over to Ole Miss. And I think we're all, um, assured of the fact that Minnesota is still in very good hands with Piper Ritter just announced um, recently that Katie Richardson, the former all American is coming back to be a part of her staff and uh, at Cal where Chelsea Spencer, former star there on their world series championship team um, is getting her shot at the big time too, as the head coach, the Cal Bears, some of the big moves this off season, Holly. Absolutely. Well, thank you, coach. We appreciate your time and I know you'll be a superstar in your new job. And I know those gophers know you love them. I know that was probably tough on you, but I know they know your heart. So so thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate the opportunity. Wish you guys, um, you know, continued safety and wish you well. And I look forward to seeing seeing everybody back on the field. All right. Go uh, hotty toddy. Do you know what that means? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm learning. I can say go Rebels. I'm working up to the hotty toddy, although I hear it everywhere. So, And I'm excited about what we're going to do at Ole Miss. And, You'll see us sooner than later, to, and hopefully I'm back at Oklahoma, so Oklahoma City.
the roster card and uh, the way too early predictions for the Women's College World Series. Here's the list that we came up with. We can talk amongst ourselves, maybe throw in a dark horse or two. You got Oklahoma and Texas out of the Big 12. Uh, You've got Alabama and Florida out of the SEC. You've got Louisiana and then the three Pac-12 schools, UCLA, Washington, and Arizona. The big question for me is the Big Ten. They had a terrific year two years ago, right, with Minnesota getting to the Women's College World Series. Northwestern was huge. Michigan, its usual, very good self. But those three programs, um, Smitty, they stumbled out of the gate in the shortened season. So how do they come back next year, and can any of them threaten – uh, are way too early women's college world series <laughs> yeah you know it's going to be interesting to see which programs look back and be like "Woo, thank you for the reset because there yeah. were some programs that stubbed their toe very early in the 2021 uh, 2020 season you know two two schools that i'm looking at that i think have a potential to get to oklahoma city are oklahoma state yes i'm being a little bit of a homer but i think kenny gaiski has done a great job with that club um but also lsu i think that that's a, a team that has a very strong pitching staff um you know, obviously Coach Trina's done a, a, an incredible job there, but I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those two schools there uh, as well. But the Big Ten, I do think, um, needs to step up. I think that, you know, Hutch, who always is uh, in the running, but I would love to see the, the Big Ten to really step up next year in 2021. We talked about with 2020 that the Pac-12, it was their year, right? 2021, you would assume we have three predictions of UW, Arizona, and UCLA in the finals. But, guys, my eyes are really on the Big 12. I think that between Texas and Oklahoma and, Michelle, you mentioned OSU, those one of those three teams could easily be crowned the national champion. So I, I think they've kind of skated under the radar a little bit, and I'm really excited to watch the Big 12 compete in 2021. Yeah, and just the fact, too, that Texas has only gotten stronger. I mean, they bring in Molly Jacobson from Ole Miss, who kind of flies under the radar because Ole Miss hasn't done a lot as of late. But she's crafty. She's a lefty, so she brings extra dimension to their team. So I really look to Texas, who is bringing back so much talent. I mean, they already had so much talent in 2020. They bring back a lot. And I think, right, Jen, in the Big 12 is going to be really and Michelle, of course, we think alike. I was thinking Oklahoma State and LSU were left off that list that need to be on it. Uh, they got another big recruit right from Georgia. I forgot to mention o- Oklahoma State on that uh, doggett. So they're stacking them up. All right, our, our way too early Women's College World Series predictions. Of course, the other stories that we touched upon for next year will be Harper's home run t- uh, chase. Jesse is at 76, so she needs 20 to uh, get to the top spot all time. Uh, Carol Hutchins and, and uh, Mike Candrea are in that uh, head-to-head chase for the all-time wins lead. Hutch had it at the start of last season. Candrea took it by the end of the shortened season. So that'll be fun to watch as we move ahead also. Back-to-back champs. Can UCLA do it? It's already happened four times in the 2000s. Uh, Oklahoma, Florida, Arizona, and UCLA and uh, the uh, the Bruins, I think, will probably be the preseason number one with the returns of Garcia and Nichols to that already potent lineup. And then, of course, the Olympic intervention. Will Rachel, Bubba, and Deja have to go back and forth between their college teams and the U.S. team? And how much training will the U.S. Olympic team be able to get in next spring? All ones to watch. All right, it's time now to hear from UW All-American Morgan Flores. She will be hot on the trail of a national championship when we resume next season. And uh, Jen's going to start us off with Morgan. Well, Morgan, you were just awarded the Johnny Bench Award, which is for the greatest catcher in college softball. Firstly, congratulations from all of us at the Seven Innings Podcast. We're so proud of you. Thank you. I love your mom's post announcing it saying, I have no idea who Johnny Bench is or was, but my daughter has just been given this award. It created a little uproar on social media. I thought it was really funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had a, he called me and I didn't, I've heard of him, but I didn't really know the impact that he had on baseball. So I looked him up after on Google and I was like, Oh my gosh, I just talked to Johnny Bench and it was the coolest experience. So it's something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. 
That's the most classic Morgan Flores move ever. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so how do you feel the, the very first Washington catcher to ever win that award? And you come from a lineage of really great catchers at that university. How does it feel to be the first one from Washington to win that? It just feels really humbling. And um, I'm just so honored that I get to represent UW and receive an award like this. And not only at like other were there great catchers at UW, but in the whole NCAA. So receiving an award like this is super humbling. And I know this year got cut short for you. And we talked a lot throughout the fall. And truly, it, you didn't feel like it was your best year. You were struggling a lot emotionally at the plate. You were going through some unique times, having a lot of your friends having left, being the oldest one on the team. So knowing that you had to go through those struggles, does, does this award mean even more to you now because of that? And kind of talk us through a little bit of your mindset that happened this fall and early on in the season. Yeah. Um, like you said, it is a little difficult not having the people that I came in with at the university, but um, it is like you said, just really humbling and like knowing that it wasn't only based off of this year, but my whole career. And I am the type of person that is really hard on myself and I take failure more seriously than I take um, a success. So I tend to focus on, on the failure, which is, can be a good thing, but um, it kind of just let me know like, Hey, like you are, you are a good catcher and you do deserve this. And I think it kind of fires me up like going into next season and um, just fires a a little, uh, a fire under my butt to know that I am good and I do deserve this. (laughs) Morgan, you sat out with a knee injury year before last. And so you, you already are one of the older players on the team and your career should have been over. So it sounds like you are going to return next year. How difficult was that decision? It was pretty easy, actually. Um, Just playing at UW is something that I've wanted to, you know, be a part of. And um, it's something that, I don't know, I just want to extend for as long as I can because I feel like I do grow every single year and I learn so much about myself. And being a part of this program is such a blessing. And um, to have the opportunity to play another year, sixth year at UW um, was a super easy uh, decision for me. Uh, Morgan, I'm interested in knowing um, the two aspects of the game, actually the physical catching behind the dish and offensively, you're such an amazing hitter. What part of the game do you love more and, and, and then maybe expand on the catching side? How do you get the most out of your pitchers? I would say hitting is definitely something that I love and what really made me um, fall in love with the game, but catching is something that, I love also, it's something that I'm constantly working on, and um, I think I really started to become passionate about catching as well when I started going to lessons with Jen when I was super young. So um, just catching is something I definitely am working on, and it's a process for me, just like hitting, but I think the best thing about catching is being able to build the relationships with my pitchers and um the pitches really do make it easy for me behind the plate, you know, getting to catch Gabby playing and now getting to catch Kelly Lynch. I've been super blessed with just amazing pitchers. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Morgan, with, uh, you talked about how much you've grown over the past four or five years, like with catching specifically, what part of your catching game do you feel like has grown the most and what are you most proud of about it? I would say just having confidence. Um, That's been a process, especially in college, just having confidence of, um, I don't know, just being being able to trust myself and my abilities and all the work that I've put in. Um, And, yeah, just building that relationship with my pitchers. I am a more quiet person, so having the confidence to go out there and talk to them when I feel like they need me and um, just having that – having that confidence I say was something that um, I've built over the years. Just a, just a a little bit of a a teaser, Morgan, because uh, later in the program, we'll be talking about our way too early world series preview for next year. 
You guys have been, let's see, semis, finals, and semis uh, the last three years. And I don't know if you've ever had a chance to get over to Bricktown Ballpark, but that is where Johnny Bench started out his career on his way to the big league. So what would what will be the difference for you guys to break through and win the national championship uh, next spring with a little a little Johnny Bench influence now that you've won his award? I would say that a lot of us have experienced um, being so close to winning a national championship and having that experience. We know what it takes, and I feel like next season we're just going to come out in a t- like in attack mode and. Um, just having that experience, I think, helps us a lot, and especially with leading the younger players. So I'm super excited for us next season. And talking about those younger players, the players who watch you on TV, you know, you mentioned we've worked together since you were 11 until now, so for forever. What advice do you have to those young 11- and 12-year-olds, the girls who watch you on TV who maybe struggle with their voice and confidence like you did at a young age? What advice do you have for those girls? I would say just to be relentless and just not be scared to be yourself because being yourself, you are your happiest person and you can perform at your best and um, just to have fun, not to take it too serious because it is a game of softball and it's, it's something that you're supposed to love and be passionate about. So just to have fun and um, believe in yourself. Awesome. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations. And we do hope that you go visit that Johnny Bench uh, statue and take a photo for us, please, next June. (laughs) Yes, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, Janae, it would have been, well, past the end of the season now, but it's been a long few months. What have you been doing in these past few months? Were you training? Were you Zooming with your team? Were you at home? Like, what have you been up to these last few months when we should have been playing at the World Series? Well, right after the season ended and everything, we had a few Zoom calls, and it was basically about, um, like, working on hitting or coaching, looking over some of our film, things like that. And mainly I've been home in Austin, going from Austin to Houston a lot and been training out here with Nadia Taylor, uh, alumni from UT. And she has, like, her own facility and everything. So me, K-Wash, or Kaylin Washington, and Taylor Ellsworth, we've all been over here just training at her facility and everything. So I feel like you're one of the players, and I've said this for a few years now in covering you guys, that you just fly under the radar. You're multi-time All-American, so solid on defense, what you bring to the plate, just your leadership, your steadiness. Do you like flying under the radar? Like, is that something that you enjoy? Like, what do you think about that? I actually like it. Um, I don't really like being at the top or, like, the top name person because I've been underrated my whole career, basically, coming out of high school and everything. I didn't really go to a competitive high school, so I wasn't one of those known players coming right out of high school. And I feel like that's what made my freshman year uh, get off to a big start because people really didn't know me and they really didn't know who I was or what I had to offer to the game. And when I came out freshman year, I was like, oh, wow, like, who is she? So that's why I wanted to leave on people and just make a name for myself right out the gate. You are so fun to watch, Janae. I love watching you play the sport of softball and watching you express yourself. Uh, in Texas, you guys have so many transfers coming in all the time, right? But you have been like the anchor of Texas, like from Austin, have uh, just stayed at Texas. How is it dealing with people who come from all over? And, and how do you continue to lead Texas softball? I think it's a great opportunity just to, especially when the Oregon girls came over, it was a great opportunity to get to know them and just welcome them into the Longhorn family and just show them the ropes here in Austin. And it was great to get to know them and see what they had to offer too. Miranda has done an amazing job here and things have just been going really great. Even with Lauren Bird, I feel like we're the best one-two punch in the nation right now. So She's been doing a great job batting in the two-hole, and sometimes we even switch positions or sometimes she'll lead off, and that's just been going really great. I feel like they fit in really great with our team and just slid right in. 
you know, I was just looking at your stats. It was a shortened season. You guys were 24 and three overall, finished the season as the number one team in the country, but you hit 554. Like I'm just amazed by how accurate and efficient that you've been able to be this season. 13 walks, just four strikeouts on the season, 10 for 10 with stolen bases. What do you think has been your key at being so efficient at the plate? I think basically not trying to do too much when I go up to bat and looking for a good pitch to hit no matter where it's at. And I feel like I am a bad ball hitter that people like to say. Sometimes I swing at pitches over my head and I don't really know what gets over me. I just try to be aggressive in the count. And I feel like that's really what makes me successful too by swinging at those pitches right down the middle or if the pitcher makes a mistake, taking advantage of those mistakes early in the count. So I feel like that's really what makes me successful. And um, incorporating a lot of bunting and slapping into my game too. I feel like this past year I did a lot more slapping than I've done um, my freshman and sophomore year. And that's what people weren't really expecting from me a lot. And I feel like it did make me more successful and make things go more smoothly for me this year too. Jeanette, I remember when um, Connie Clark was telling me about you before uh, you even showed up at Texas, and I couldn't wait to see you. And I remember seeing you your freshman year, and I was like, "Woo!" I was blown away. I was like, "This kid is good," and I just I love watching you defensively, obviously offensively. Just um, big fan of yours. But um, uh, moving forward, what would be the goals of Texas uh, for next year? I mean, obviously shortened season this year, but how are you guys preparing? And what are next year's goals specifically for this very strong Texas team? I feel like with the shortened season, we were all bummed out about it, and we did have the hopes of making it to the World Series and possibly winning it. Yeah. So I feel like that's definitely a main goal for us next year, uh, working even harder. And I feel like with this extra year, we are going to come back stronger, faster. Uh, our pitching is going to be even better than it was this year, and I feel like we're all just about to be on board and head in the right direction. So winning a World Series is definitely – our top goal for this year. Mm-hmm. Janae, there's obviously a lot going on um, in the outside world and, and the social justice um, and, and the fight for racial equality that we're seeing around the country. Um, and, and it's it's going to play huge on college campuses. Uh, you know, we have, have read about and seen that uh, some members of your football team at Texas want to uh, change that, you know, to cut out the fight song and, and no more eyes of Texas. Um, we, we've talked a lot with um, players like Natasha Watley and Kelsey Stewart and how important it has been to see black players playing softball. And now you're in a position where you've got young eyes on you and hoping for a similar experience. How has this all affected you and, and maybe perhaps changed you in ways moving forward? I just remember growing up playing softball. I was often the only African-American on my team. And my teammates were great. Um, I'm still friends with many of them now. But my dad would always tell me I would have to work harder than the rest. And I never really meant what he meant by that until recent events and until things that are happening now. And I feel like we are going to have those uncomfortable conversations with people. But I feel like those conversations and those support systems will uh, lead us into a solution uh, overall and try to stop the injustices that have been happening in the world. And I know to uh, little girls that live up to me or that look up to me, um, I want to be, I want to leave my legacy on this sport for all girls of color and for everyone that has looked up to me as a role model or just a figure they want to be like, because I was that same little girl. I looked up to Natasha Wally, AJ Andrews, Bridget Washington. Like I want to be just like them. So I just think I want to leave that same mark for other girls that live up to me and just tell them that, your dreams can come true, and it's possible to be successful in the sport of softball. You're such an awesome role model, Janae, and we really, really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us on the podcast. And February 2021, can they get here soon enough? Right. Uh, <laughs> appreciate it. Have a great summer, Janae. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome back to the Seven Innings Podcast. Certainly a couple of faces that we are very excited to see next season. Thanks to Janae Jefferson and Morgan Flores for joining us. It is time now for one of our favorite segments, and we know it's one of yours too, Shagging Stats. And I'm going to shag some stats with some faces that we have not yet seen 
that we are very excited to see for the first time when they start their careers. When you look at this year's recruiting class, check this out, folks. Seven of the top ten are going to three schools, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Auburn. And then you also have to check out the Arizona Wildcats. Five of the top 25 are headed to Tucson. That's my shagging stats. Smitete. <laughs> All right, BMO. Those are, those are good statistics. All right, mine is the number seven. Because right now, there are seven teams filled with collegiate softball players that are actually playing in the Florida Gulf Coast Softball League. And that's down in Bradenton, just south of St. Pete. And I love the fact that these are our collegiate athletes from all over the country, um, all divisions, all conferences are represented. Um, they're going to have a 25-game schedule. They're going to have a playoff and also an all-star gala event. So, so a little bit of uh, faith and hope in our softball community that we actually have some collegiate kids playing ball right now in Bradenton, Florida. So what say you, Jen? Well, I went way out of the box, guys. My brain must be somewhere else. But um, this morning, I looked up the average time of labor for a first-time mom. And so, guys, after (laughs) – here's my shagging stat for today is after you're fully dilated, the average time of labor is eight hours and not to exceed 18. So next week, everybody think of me for eight hours. Okay? That's my shagging stat, Amanda. Let's go eight hours. <laughs> All over the map with our shagging stats. It's actually kind of impressive. Like, maybe we should just not talk about our stats, like, next year. <laughs> it's very interesting. Jen, I love it. Um, okay, because mine's about the transfer portal. So, in mid-December, there were 476 players in the transfer portal. That was on December 13th, 2019. On what would have been the last day of the Women's College World Series, there were only 45 people in the transfer portal. So in, what, six months, it went from 476 to 45. And, um, yeah, a lot of those players that you mentioned, Beth, are the right state players that are looking for a place to play. Yeah. Yeah, best of luck to them as, as they move forward. Best of luck to show that it's eight hours. <laughs> or less. I'll take – my mom had me in 45 minutes. I'll go with that. That'd be good. <laughs> Shaggin' Stats. All right, that takes us down to the bottom of the lineup and our number nine hitter, which is our season wrap. And, well, we hate to do this to the nine hitter, but it's that time of the year where we do not turn over the lineup and pass the bat. This is the season finale. (laughs) Get emotional. Um, but it has, uh, it's, it's been a crazy season for all of us. Um, and certainly, uh, unable to get all, any of this done without our extended ESPN softball family. It starts with Jonathan McDonald, our producer, putting up with all our BS throughout the season. A big shout out to J Mac, uh, for all that he does for us week in and week out. Uh, J-Mac works with an amazing crew um, that uh, can't get any bigger in our eyes, and they are all stars in the making of their own. Jory Schiraldi, Bailey Zarparvar, Justine Turley, actually Shanley, all the people that put this show together for us week in and week out. Uh, we owe you massively, and the, uh, the softball world salutes you for all the work that you do right from the top. Uh, you know her as Jersey Meg. Uh, you may know her as Vegas Vicky, um, Chappie, Buzz, and, of course, Kim, comma, PR superstar. I think this offseason we may just make it Kim Colon, semicolon, PR superstar for all the work that they do for us to put this show together. And uh, it's time um, for everybody else to get back to work, right, ladies? So we're excited to see what kind of – labor that uh, softball players and coaches are putting in this offseason to get themselves prepared and, and something that uh, Jess touched on at the beginning of the program, ignited passion for next season and not really, um, Amanda, taking for granted the opportunity to play this game that we all love so much. Yeah. Did you say the word labor on purpose for Jen? I thought that too. Double entendre. I'm not saying there's twins. It's just the double entendre. <laughs> Uh, I think 
ignited passion. I love those two words combined together. And I think that we'll see it on the field, but also Beth, I think after uh, this past season, what we've all been through, we'll have an ignited passion for communication within a team for open conversation uh, for handling challenges together. Cause I know just, uh, on my end, I mean, I'm reaching out more to old teammates and having open conversations. So I know that that has to be a big thing going on within um, teams and players and coaches too. So I think an ignited passion and, and just a lot of just new energy that we'll have in the 2021 season. Yeah, I feel like just um, looking forward, everybody I think has had that reset button push this year, um, maybe self-evaluation, um, team evaluation. And I know for me, I'm always a little, a lot sad after the Women's College World Series is over because I miss our ESPN team. I mean, as much as those teams are competing on the field, all of us working together so hard to really represent our sport, show our sport. Um, and I feel a little bit of that here with the podcast, seeing everybody's face every week and looking forward to it. And just the text while we're um, not on air, planning the show and j- just the communication. I think that's the part that's so important. And it shows us that that's humanity is connection, right? And and that's been the hardest part of this uh, quarantine is that we're, we're, we weren't together and it was physically, we were separated. But I, I think, and I hope for our sport that everybody stays emotionally connected and involved and, and ready to go next year, even bigger and better knowing that we had something taken away from us, but it's that special. We know it's that special and we're going to take care of it and, and make a difference not only in our, our own lives on the field, but to the people around us. So that, that's my biggest hope moving forward. Michelle and Amanda, I just want to echo what both of you guys said because it's that communication and connection. I want to thank everyone for letting me be a part of this season's podcast. I really do appreciate it and I've had so much fun. Uh, But truly, it's that communication and that connection. I'm going to miss our group text messages every single day. And I'm sure that as the teams gear up for next season, that's what they're doing and that's what they're focusing on. And I cannot wait to see that ignited passion being lived out on the softball field and, of course, on ESPN Networks. Special shout out, too, to our our teammates that started out the season with us. We look forward to a day when they can be back with us, Uh, Caleb Bro and Jenny Dalton-Hill. Um, thanks so much for all of their efforts um, throughout the season on the podcast as well. And we leave you with this. We're going to get back to work and continue honing our craft. We wish you uh, the best as you continue to do yours. Championships are won with the world watching, folks. But champions are made when no one is watching. Sorry that uh, we can't be with you the next few months, but we look forward to being back next year on the Seven Innings Podcast with BMO, Horo, Scarborough, Smitty, Jen, and the Doza.